Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2167. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, today I'm in beautiful Laguna Beach, California, with a very special guest by the name of Royce Rumsey. Royce, welcome to Cars. Yeah, do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? Mark, I'm ready, and thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your your wonderful podcast. Oh, you're welcome. This is really cool. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into a very cool profession you've created for yourself, what's one little thing that people may not know about you, Royce? Most people don't know, uh, given in my uh, professional life, that I come from a fairly humble background, if, if use the word in, in quotes. I come from a very devout uh, Christian sect uh, in a very simple life uh, back in the farmlands of Ohio. Oh, wow. Very cool. Well, now you're living in SoCal Laguna Beach. I don't think the culture could be much different, can it? They're, they're about 180 degrees out of phase in almost every respect, climatically as well as culturally. <laughs> yeah, in many, many ways. Well, you live in a beautiful part of the world. And uh, most definitely, I grew up in Southern California, being close to the beach. And Laguna Beach is just one of those nice little hideaways, I like to say. You drive through the canyon and it opens up Pacific. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. So uh, very, very nice. Let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into this very, very cool world you've created. Royce Rumsey is an industrial designer and photographer with a focus, excuse the pun, on things that move. His career spans medical product design and development with major brands, including Philips, Medical, Diasonics, Ultrasound, and Puritan Bennett. He's designed consumer products, including toys for Tonka. I had a bunch of those when I was a kid and many others. However, it's Royce's love for photography that led to work with major brands, including Daimler-Benz, Mercedes-Benz, Acura, Optima Batteries, the Lion Air Museum. We've had the Lions here uh, on the show and owners clubs, including Bentley, Rolls-Royce, and the Ferrari Club of America. His creativity earned him many public awards, including a gold award with Communications Magazine. Man, I subscribed to them for decades. Time, Wired, and Business Week magazines as well. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little love, and we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guard for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft. Too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YEAH21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YEAH, Y-E-A-H, 2-1 at checkout, YEAH21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Royce, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper into this career of yours. Now, being an industrial designer and being, uh, another pun, exposed to photography, which all great designers are, how did you get into a full world of photography? Well, as you mentioned, it, photography, I matriculated through the University of Cincinnati, where I got my degree in industrial design. And part of that curriculum is two years of photography and a year of cinematography. So my formal education in photography started there. However, I had been, like many folks, uh, fooling around with cameras since childhood. And my real inspiration, I have to say, came from the movie Grand Prix, where a landmark John, John Frankenheimer just did a landmark cinematography on that film. I saw the film at a young age with my father, who was an automotive enthusiast and his best friend. And like most young men um, or young boys, had aspirations to being a race car driver. But uh, upon watching uh, Grand Prix and Cinerama, uh, that full immersive experience, I remember at that time thinking, if I cannot drive cars, I want to photograph cars. I want to do what John Frankenheimer is doing. And years later, I had the good fortune of meeting up with the uh, the wonderful still photographer for that film was Jesse Alexander. Oh, Jesse, yeah. I was friends with him for years. Of course, sadly, we lost him last year, but a wonderful man. Oh, just a charming, charming and very generous man. I met up with him like many of us did at uh, in Monterey, and we became friends. And I had purchased his photographs for that year, but we got talking about Grand Prix. He said, well, I was the still photographer for that film. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Oh, just a great. So, and what an inspiration. He published a book when I was in college called At Speed, which is a coffee table, wonderful large format coffee table book. And that was very influential and, and instructive uh, in my direction towards photography. Oh, this is so cool. And uh, yeah, the tie back to Jesse. I met him probably 25 years ago. I got to spend a day at his uh, home there just north of Santa Barbara. Yes. And looking through photographs, I actually bought the rights to use some of his images to create tritone lithograph posters for a company I was a part of as a Christmas gift item and found an image in his one of his many, many boxes of imageries of uh, little boys looking into a Lamar garage of old 50s Porsches being worked on. And I, I know the photograph you're speaking of, and it's actually, 
It's it's uh, I always like to tell people who aren't familiar with Jesse Alexander, who are photography people. I said he's the uh, the Cartier, the Bernard Cartier Bresson of car photography. Yes, his yeah. his. Uh, his captures is, uh, you know, this Leica speaks about, you know, capturing the moment kind of a thing. And he certainly, and he shot with Leica as well, just like Bresson. And, uh, and that photograph particularly is a great example of capturing the moment. Yeah, I've got, uh, in fact, he gave me a, a wonderful print. I'm looking at it right now. It's hanging on my wall. And uh, I love the way he always captured people with vehicles. And I'm using this as a bit of a segue for your art because you have a, a website that I came across that brought us together, uh, Told in Exposure. And what you've done there is really, really cool as a way to demonstrate your photography in a bit of a different way. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, exposure as a, I became familiar with exposure as a as a platform. Gosh, at least six, maybe more years ago. I was very impressed with the way it laid out and its ability for a photographer to t create a narrative, a visual narrative. And uh, I had, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I did okay academically uh, throughout high school and college. But I was never a star uh, author or writer, as, as as my English professors would be quick to to attest. And but I found myself, you know, Joseph Campbell said years ago about follow your um, had the axiom of following your bliss, and cars certainly qualify for me in that regard. And I found myself being able to write about automobiles in a very very um, unlabored fashion. And so uh, exposure allowed for me to create a verbal narrative to accompany the visual narrative. And uh, I've been very fortunate. I've been published now over 30 times in various magazines. And I had uh, my first few articles that were published were made fairly major publications. They're national. Uh, I'm a photographer for World Magazine out of New Zealand. And uh, Don Hope, who's a publisher, uh, he and I met up at the Rodeo Concourse uh, years ago, and, and he invited me to submit some work, which I did. And he then announced he, he, that my uh, joining his team of, uh, of two other photographers on his masthead, and they are the other two are Annie Leibowitz and Peter Lick. Oh, my gosh. And so when, I, wow. when he announced me in his letters from the editor edition of the magazine, the quarterly, I, I quickly emailed Don and said, well, of course, your readership is now saying in unison, well, we know who Annie Leibowitz is and we know who Peter Lick is, but who's this guy? <laughs> so I was, it, was, it was one of those things that you, people, when they receive awards and accolades, many, many times talk about being a humbling experience. Well, that was certainly the way I felt to be amongst that August company was really, really a remarkable event. A long story longer here. So I'd been published a few times and my articles were being published with photos, and the, the, the words that were being printed were exactly the words I had sent, I'd submitted. I mean, with not a single syllable of change. And I was at Pebble one year, and I was talking to Jean uh, Lindemood, who that was her name at the time, from Automobile Magazine. Mm -hmm. and, and Jean knows cars, and, and delightful person. I said to Jean, I said, Jean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be published, and... Uh, do you get edited a lot when you write? She says, oh, gosh, yeah, I get red marks all over the place. And I said, well, I'm not getting any of that. And she looked at me, she said, what? What do you mean? Double beats passed, and after car week, I'd sent her an email as a follow-up and sent her my Word file 
my files of about three or four, and then sent her PDFs of the published uh, articles. <laughs> she had two word response <laughs> to start off with, with the last of the second of the words being you. <laughs> the first one is. Yep. And she and she she was very kind. She said no one should be able to photograph and write this well. Wow, what an uh, accolade! Uh, That's, yeah, I really, really was. Uh, well, it's tremendous, you know. And one of the things I noticed when I came across you is your imagery, and you know, with photography, there's so much photography these days. Especially you and I had a great pre-show chat about these iPhones and mobile phones and people, everyone's a photographer now, but there are a handful of photographers to me that when you look at their imagery, you go, oh, I know who did that. We talk about Jesse Alexander. You look at his shots, you go, that's a Jesse shot. Um, And that's one of the things that, that stood out for me with your imagery. You have a methodology. I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe you can share some of it, but the way you shoot your photographs, the way they're lit, uh, the way the imagery shines, it comes forward, a lot of contrast happening and so forth. Is this something that you've created or worked on over time with your photography? Yeah, I I did. It's one of the things usually it takes someone outside of the experience to make an observation that's completely obvious that that you miss because you're too close to the process. Mm -hmm. And I was shooting cars and, and publishing them. And a friend of mine commented, turned to me and says, well, your cars look like Art Center renderings. Oh, interesting. Okay. And being a, a, an industrial designer, of course, and uh, I, 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 we drew cars. I mean, that's what I wanted to be was a car designer, like many industrial designers, which explains the career of Tonka Toys, by the way. <laughs> there you go. And, of course, a great influence on my life. And later on, I'm, I'm very very humbled and pleased to say, and became a good friend with Sid Mead. Oh, Sid, yeah, another guest who who has been a guest here. Another wonderful talent who we unfortunately have lost in the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah, and I have I have a number of Sid's original works at, at my house. Nice. Sid was just a, a fan, you know, just, as many people know, a fantastic talent, and he was very, you know, obviously influential on a lot of people, myself included, on how I looked and how I wanted to present the automobile in an image. And I, and one of the things that Sid did creating the visuals he did for United States Steel, then later on for the movie industry, of course, was to create a background that was a true background. There are three primary planes of uh, visual planes that exist in an automotive photograph. There's a foreground, there's the car itself, and then there's a background. And being able to separate those three elements will, will yield, in my estimation, a better automotive image because if you allow yourself to process an image with those three fields or planes in mind, how am I, go- how am I going to render the foreground? How am I going to render the car, which typically be in what we would call the middle ground? And how would one render the background surrounding the car? And honestly, I spend more time on the background uh, than I do on any of the other two planes. The reason being is that getting that background to the point where it's, it is a background, it's there, it's part of the context, but it's not fighting with the car for the attention of the eye. It's truly, it's truly complementing setting the scene and tone for the car, which most, again, John Frankenheimer, going back to John Frankenheimer, that's what he did so well in Grand Prix. So this begs the question for people listening out there that would like to be better photographers, 
what is a tip or two you might offer them? You just gave us a great tip is really think about foreground and think more importantly about background so that that object pops, there's contrast, whatever it might be. But what are a couple other tips you might offer the uh, blooming photographer who's trying <laughs> to improve their skill sets? Well, well, one is one that you'd mentioned in our, in our uh, preview or our pre-show pre chat. Yeah. When you talk about changing your perspective. You know, people are, you've got millions, if not billions of people walking around with their phones taking photos, but they're all taking, they all hold them out in front of their face. And so all the, all the photographs that they're taking are usually from the same eye, eye level from, you know, five feet above the ground. So they all have share that perspective, which creates this great, <laughs> you know, montage of millions of photographs all taken from, you know, approximately five feet off the ground. The first thing you do is, is change your perspective. Uh, as, as again, we talked about where you get down on the ground, you get above the subject matter, you get oblique angles, you create a, a different view of what everyone else is looking at. The second thing that you would do or you pay attention to is lighting and light direction. And for that, I was very uh, inspired and influenced by George Harrell, who, if you don't know that name, he was one of the great portrait photographers in Hollywood back in the third glamour days of the 30s and 40s. Yes, yeah. The great black and white portrait shots that you saw, yep. many of those were done. But there were a number of photographers that did that. The studios kept them very busy. But George Harrell was certainly amongst the most famous of them all. And he his use of primary lights and secondary lights, well, even if you're not using uh, auxiliary lights like strobes and things like that, think about where the light is coming from on the car uh, and, and in the background and make sure that those when people get into post-processing, they can they can get so enamored with the post-processing process that they forget the basic, which is about light direction and contrast and depth of field and all those things. So my of the of the two uh, two primary suggestions I, I would have for anyone doing photography is remembering those basics about changing perspective and pay attention to the light. Yep, light, that's the key. Now, you mentioned a lot of very, very famous and skilled photographers that have been inspirational in your life, perhaps mentors. Is there one that really stands out for you? Can, can, is there possible to narrow that down? Well, again, I would have to say Jesse Alexander is my primary photographic influence because he was able to do the capture of the moment uh, imagery like we talked about with that wonderful uh, Porsche garage imagery. But, uh, and he worked, you know, which is a black and white image, and he was known for his black and white image. But at Speed, the book he did for, I believe, I believe Road and Track was a publication on that, was a public. Uh, those color images that he did in there are just spectacular. I mean, they, they are absolutely arresting in the, in the best possible uh, meaning of that term, visually arresting. You leaf through that book, and every time you do, you're always inspired uh, by the composition as well as the color toning that is used. So I would have to say if there's one photo photographer that, in, that is inspirational and influential, it would be Jesse. But as I mentioned, actually, a lot of my inspiration came from illustrators. Sid Mead, a, a brilliant designer and, you know, as a world-renowned illustrator. Another great illustrator that had a great influence on me was a guy by the name of Ken Dollison. Ken was renowned for his watercolor illustrations that he would do. They were published in the Car and Driver, I believe, was the first of the major publications to, uh, to, to use Ken Dollison. Uh, and if you go to the Mercedes-Benz Classic Center, 
they have a collection of Ken of magnificent Ken Dollison illustrations uh, there. There you go. I'm glad you mentioned him too. Yeah, it's just a sign that we we as uh, photographers can be influenced by all sorts of different people, but painters are especially keen, great painters, of using light. Well, Caravaggio, of course, is is the, when it comes to <laughs> yeah. light, Caravaggio, and I, and he and George Harrell had a, a marked influence when I really started doing photography, serious automotive, professional automotive photography. I would say that uh, Caravaggio and and Harrell were very influential in the way I wanted to look and present the automotive image. We're going to take a short pit stop, and uh, I guess if we were in the old days, I would say uh, take the roll of film out and put a new one in, but we don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) Maybe just a memory card, and we'll be right back. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that... Well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. We all count on skilled auto technicians to ensure that our families and ourselves are safe on the road. That an airplane will get me safely to my destination. That trucks are moving the stock to shelves of essential parts and things that we need. That's why TechForce Foundation's slogan is so appropriate. When techs rock, America rolls. I love that. TechForce is a charity of cars, yeah. And like all charities... They need our support. If you love cars and can relate to the young person's desire to turn their passion into a career, go to techforce.org today and donate or become a volunteer. That's techforce.org. So let's talk about a challenge. I like the challenge question, I call it here. I'd like to ask my guests if there was a big challenge, big failure, some kind of big obstacle that got in their way in their career. But more importantly, how did they overcome it and how did they use the lesson from that situation to move forward in a positive way? So take us take us to that point. Okay. Well, I think everyone's life, uh, if, if you have a, a life worth, what's the old thing, an unexamined life is hardly a life worth living. <laughs> I mean, life, um, 
One is going to going to encounter challenges and, frankly, disappointments, uh, revelations that um, are not always positive. Two of those happened in my life. They were not, thankfully, photographically or design related, but they but they were tangential to them. Um, Early on in my professional career, I had been, uh, in fact, this is how I became friends with Sid Mead. He and I had both been called in by a case in the, with the Federal Trade Commission to be expert witnesses in industrial design. Mm. And of course, <laughs> again, like with World Magazine, when they said, well, we have two expert witnesses, you and Sid Mead. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same plane, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, Sid and I became friends during the process. We spent uh, about three months together in Washington, D.C. Uh, on this Trade Commission case. Well, what was most illuminating uh, in, the, in that case was to see how Washington works. Yeah. And, and how, how the, in this case, it was a trial. It was a, it was a Trade Commission. It was a, it was a case that they were trying. And uh, there's a line, a uh, wonderful soliloquy that Al Pacino gives in the movie And Justice for All. Mm-hmm. Uh, which of those who have seen the film, he is finally exasperated at the corrupt judicial system. And he explains, you know, this this whole courtroom is out of order. You're out of order. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. You know, Al Pacino's signature tirade, like in the scent of a woman. And uh, I, I, I remember watching that film when it came out with a friend of mine. And they were said, well, the you know, it's not really like that. And after having experienced the... Uh, Washington D.C. the Federal Trade Commission. I said it's exactly like that. It is. It is that. You know, what's the old Bismarck line? If you if you like sausage, you don't want to see how it's made. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't want to see how the judicial system, the federal judicial system, worked either, because uh, it was uh, not an inspiring in a positive way uh, experience. The second challenge existed in my in medical field where I had. Uh, had designed a product that the uh, Defense Department had come to me and the firm I was working for, BioCybernetics at the time, to uh, resolve an issue they were having with the medical term is exsanguination, which is which is another way, a fancy way of saying bleed out, which was the leading cause of, of casualties in the uh, war on terrorism, mm. the IEDs. Yes. And they had 10 criteria that they had, believe it or not, in 2000. Two, three, two thousand four. The tourniquets that the army was issuing and using on the field fundamentally had not changed since the Civil War. And again, due to the IEDs, you know, you had a tremendous amount of bleed outs, and they had a ten-point criteria for the new generation of tourniquet. So I assembled a quick team of, of very talented folks, and within six weeks, we solved the problem. Oh, we gave them a tourniquet that solved. All ten of the criteria, and to this day, it's the only tourniquet that solved all ten of that criteria. Wow! So, needless to say, the company I was working for immediately saw like a uh, you know, dollar signs. Yeah, oh my course. god! Yeah, we're gonna, we are going to be rich. <laughs> you know, we're going to sell the DoD is going to buy these tourniquets and millions, and it's just going to be fantastic. And, and and frankly, the greater point is we're going to save lives, which is ex- which is obviously the well, when it comes time for ordering products in the federal system, it's, it's not always the product that solves the uh, problem that gets chosen. But there are other influences, shall we say, to yes. be <laughs> Yeah, uh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a certain laptop with emails speaks to that these days. But, um, but um, 
that again was instructive as to the system not always working uh, as it should. Now it would be easy to to uh, walk away from both those experiences and be fairly disenchanted with things and feel, however, you know, on the balance of things, I have had blessings that far exceed what I am what I am due. You know, mercy, mercy and grace has certainly been part of my life. And uh, thankfully, growing up, as I mentioned earlier, in a in a, in a devout religious community and, and family structure uh, has allowed for me to weather, as and I would say, if, if one has faith and one has a larger perspective on things, then one can always see that uh, when, when these things happen, that they are, they are not always the disasters that one thinks they are. They are many times opening an opportunity for other things to, to, to step in their place. Um, I would have to, you know, had, 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 let's just say, the tourniquet been the financial success that it, was, it should have been. And by the way, it is still issued by, by the military. We did get, we did get orders, and, and it's still available in EMSs and, and things like that. So it's out there, and I've, I've had the encounters with, with, with uh, service members who have used the product in Afghanistan and Iraq who have been thrilled with it. And so that, that's a payment beyond financials that, that you cannot calculate. But had had that taken place, I probably would have been so immersed in the financials of, of that company, I would not be doing the photography I'm doing today. Well, it's a you know it's a great perspective, and we all encounter these things that make us crazy, that wrap us around the axle, that we really have no control over. And I think today's world of social media news is a great example of how easily this information can just wrap you up into knots and you need to learn how to step away. Like you said, look at the bigger picture and uh, look at another path because otherwise you can, it'll torment you forever. Right. Oh yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you're, you're, you are, <laughs> your uh, wrapper on the axles is, <laughs> yeah. couldn't be more appropriate. And yeah. you have to get away and unwind, unwind the winding Yep. Uh, and 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 know that there are other there are other opportunities to be pursued. There's your quote of the day, Carsial listeners. Don't get wrapped around the axle. There you go. There you go. So let's talk about cars a little bit. Your special vehicle story. Is there one vehicle in your life that really stands out? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have it. It uh, in a way it mimics uh, a movie most people are familiar with, American Graffiti. When I was a young boy uh, back in Ohio. One summer evening, my father and I are walking around the small town that we lived in, and a person went by in a white 55 Thunderbird. And that, the image of that white Thunderbird in the dusk light, so at least in my eyes, it was a, one I can see as I'm speaking to you, and it became a, an image that was indelible. Was there a blonde driving that car? Uh, no, the Suzanne <laughs> Summers was not at <laughs> Suzanne the Suzanne wasn't at the wheel. <laughs> in Lima, Ohio. But the, but the car stood out, and I was just absolutely captivated by, you know, it's a Franklin Q. Hershey design, and it's just a, it's rightfully regarded as one of the hallmark design uh, cars of all time. Well, I am fortunate enough, years ago, about mm, 1997, I purchased a white 1956 Thunderbird. Oh. Uh, that won the National Thunderbird meet uh, in its life. But uh, interestingly enough, this car was originally purchased by Kirk Douglas. Oh, no kidding. Wow. He bought the car new in 1956 in Chicago in February of uh, 1956. Yeah. Wow. So I, I have, 
a, a car that was part of my childhood and part of the influence of, of cars being such an, uh, an important part of my of my life is a car that I own. You know, this is pretty cool. Wow. And to have the provenance of a movie star of his uh, stature uh, adds another bit of the story. And that's what's great about cars and stories is, is they all have stories. They all have histories. And, you know, at some point somebody will say, you know who owned this car? Was that photographer, Royce Rumsey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I I have I have no doubt, Royce, uh, that somebody will say that in the future. You know, before I move to the next question, uh, where I kind of become a car psychologist, you mentioned in a pre-show chat you're getting ready to go out to Stuart Sobek's uh, Las Vegas Concours, and you mentioned a car around that adventure. Yeah, it's, I, I believe the actual title, just for those who are maybe interested in attending, is a, I think they actually call it a car expo. So, but it is a Concours style event. I'm driving uh, to that event. One of my wonderful friends, Steve Foster, who has got a great collection of cars and a guy I'd highly recommend uh, for your podcast. Okay. Uh, he's taking three cars to that event. Um, he's taking, he has the uh, P34 Ferrari that was in the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Serious car. And also from the same movie, uh, he and his friend have the 906 Longtail. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Both, so both cars are in that film, and both will be at that event. And Steve also owns a 1971 440 Magnum four-speed Challenger that is the last remaining car from the movie Vanishing Point. Nice. And Steve uh, asked me, he said, would you uh, be available to drive that car uh, from uh, to, to the concourse? And I said, well, sure. Of course, we uh, we actually shot that car a couple of years, two years uh, last year. Excuse me, at SEMA. Uh, Steve brought it out. It was on display at the Optima booth at SEMA, and we uh, took the car out to uh, a Valley of Fire, as many <laughs> many people do. Yeah. And uh, and going to the movie Vanishing Point, we felt that was a a great venue for that car to be photographed. So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be. I'm driving that out uh, this coming. We're leaving on Thursday. It'll be there. The event is on Saturday. Okay, I have one one word. When you're driving out there, if you see a couple bulldozers parked on the road, slow well, down, okay? I'll try to avoid them. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, don't run into the bulldozers. It's a bad <laughs> ending. Yeah. Uh, wow, very, very cool. So I'm going to be your car psychologist. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here, Royce. This will be an oh, interesting Lord, ride. Lord help you, Mark. <laughs> if you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, not what you want to be, and how you perceive yourself manifest in a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, gosh. I would have to say honestly. You know, we'd all like to be the well, Bugatti-type Bugatti 35. Oh, that'd know, be nice, or, yeah. Or something spectacular like that. But um, I, I'm i a firm believer that people people's cars, whether they like it or not, are are much more reflections of who they are than what they may want to admit. They can be, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, when you think about it, that... There's a lot of reasons for that because it, that's a true expression of how they how they live their lives. The car that I have right now, that my daily driver, is a uh, Subaru WRX. Okay, cool. And and what I like about that car, and when, and when I think about it, I would not, I'm not ashamed to say that there are a lot of analogies. You know, it's it's a four door sedan that you know, frankly, the Subaru aesthetics have never been one of my favorites, but. But the car has a wonderful spirit about itself, as many enthusiasts know. And it's, it's this wonderful little Q-ship that allows you to 
to drive at speeds far exceeding the speed limit. <laughs> well, you live in California, they let you do that stuff down there. And, and, and not get noticed. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, so it's this wonderful kind of understated, uh, yet very practical four-door sedan with, uh, with, a, uh, with a desire to be a fast car. Well, and if you look at the WRX and its uh, STI configuration, you know, rally car right. reference and all that, I mean, the cars have, it just has a good feel, a good look about it. And of course, the B22s have become incredibly collectible and valuable. Yes. Uh, you know, the Colin McRae, you know, I really put those those cars on the map uh, iconically. But uh, I'd have to say, honestly, that, that uh, given uh, backgrounds from the, the farmlands of Ohio, uh, my, my grandparents had had rural homes and my grandfather on my father's side was a farmer at a farm. The Subaru does really in a lot of ways reflect, uh, who I am. Not necessarily who I, like I said, we'd all like to be a Bugatti type 35 a, but, well, yeah. but, but the reality is we are not. But if I can be, uh, if I can be, a, a of use, if I have a practicality, if I can, be reliable and uh and along the way have some spirited drives that's not a bad life nice answer i love it how about a great book you'd like to share with our listeners today well the obvious one of course are the holy scriptures uh which if one if one could read proverbs if one just follows the book of proverbs alone it's a pretty good recipe for for having a, a pretty remarkable life but from a non-spiritual sense from a secular sense uh, one of the great influences in my life was a gentleman by the name of Mortimer Adler, who um, who wrote one of his books is called The Six Great Ideas. And The Six Great Ideas basically is a distillation of uh, of civilization down into what are the what are the six primary values that really uh, are are important to our life here. Ah, great book. I'm glad you recommended that. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive since you're about to go on a pretty cool drive, Vanishing Point to Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, paint some terrible pictures though. Every time I think about that, I want you to call me when you get there and make sure you get there okay. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you see a big fireball off on the east uh, horizon. You'll know yeah, it. Yeah, we'll know what that is. The bulldog well, prevailed. Yeah. Let's not go there. We don't want you to do a James <laughs> Dean on us here. Uh, so the ultimate drive is this. I'm going to park anything in your driveway. You can go on a great drive in this vehicle, whatever it is. I'm going to buy it for you. And you can take anybody, even somebody who's passed, which opens up all sorts of opportunities. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? I'd have to say driving from Nice to San Remo and an Aston Martin 177. Uh, okay, nice. Sounds like fun. And who are you going to be with? Other than my father, it would be uh, probably Jim Clark. Oh, well, there you go. That'd be kind of cool. Now, would you be at the wheel or would he be at the wheel? Uh, I would like to be at the wheel, but if, if, if we're, as long as we're living out this fantasy, being able to experience Jim Clark driving a 177 along the upper and lower corniches mm -hmm. uh, around Monaco... That's got to be a pretty uh, transformative experience. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Wow. You look at the photos of the way he handled those Lotus Cortinas for Cole Chapman in the early days. You know, there are many photos of him, you know, in salons, you know, with the car up on three wheels. Yeah. One can only imagine what he could do uh, behind the wheel of a 177. 
Oh, yeah. The great Jimmy Clark. Uh, awesome. You have taken us on a wonderful journey here today, Royce. I'm so glad that we connected. And I want to do a quick shout out. Thank you. Uh, Chris Erickson years ago yes. recommended that I reach out to you. So, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, Chris is a wonderful. He and I uh, uh, put on our uh, legacy uh, cars and coffee every month. We just one last last Sunday. It was a uh, Long roofs was our theme. We do a different theme every every month, and we had a tremendous showing of shooting brakes. I mean, just uh, tons of uh, uh, Mercedes Benz E55s, uh, station wagons, of course, the Audi Avants. Um, it just just some really fun station wagons showed yeah, up. Some great stuff. I love those things. So, if you could leave us with some parting words of inspiration, wisdom, a mantra, or a quote, what would they be? I there there a number a number of quotes that I use. One is uh, we all like to think we're Bugs Bunny when in fact we're really Daffy Duck. <laughs> um, the other one is of course the great Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. <laughs> <laughs> Two great quotes. I don't think anybody has uh, shared those before, so I like that you're a creative guy. But I knew I'd get something unique and new. How can people learn more about you and follow you? And I'll I'll tell the listeners before you give us some direction here. You got to subscribe. Go to his website. I'll put links to it on the social media page. Uh, what Royce does is he goes beyond just sending you. Here's what I shot. There's a whole story behind it. It's really fun. So I encourage you to do that. But how would you like people to follow you? Well, yeah, that would be, uh, thank you for doing that. And and I would certainly uh, follow suit with that to say that uh, at exposure.co uh, and my name, you will be able to find uh, those stories, those uh, visual as well as uh, verbal stories. And uh, um, I hope you enjoy what you see and what you read there. Uh, definitely, listeners, you will. And, uh, you know, when you're following any photographer, take a look Really take a look at what they've done. If you want to take better photographs, better images, uh, copy the best first, and then you can create your own style of that. That is a great way to learn. And yeah. if you want to study one of the best, study Royce Rumsey and his photography. You're going to learn a lot of cool stuff. Royce, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your life with us. This has been great fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.